Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrick, and today's guest is Gilbert Osborne. Gilbert is a creator of the recently launched HealthyPause app, which he built in six weeks after having no prior programming experience. Welcome to the show, Gilbert. Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Right on. What are you up to? Um, I'm traveling for business right now. I'm in Boston, so just kind of hanging out and enjoying the city until Monday. Um, Other than that, I've been working on my app a lot and stuff like that. Cool. So traveling in Boston for business. Why? What, What type of business is that? Um, I work at an agency in Louisville, so that's where I live and work normally, um, Louisville, Kentucky. So I do I work at a marketing agency called Scapecchio. Um, we do kind of build websites, build out ads, stuff like that. I'm more in the project manager role um, on the digital department side. So I kind of work with our developers a lot and things like that. And I'm traveling to Boston to meet with a vendor that we're going to be using here soon. Okay, cool. So a vendor, is that like a developer vendor? Yeah, so kind of my all of my development experience comes from kind of learning on my own because of my day job, and I'm just kind of really interested in it, and I love making these sorts of things, so um, I kind of learn all of that stuff, and then I kind of use that knowledge to talk to developers here and there, so we're using a vendor for email development. Okay, cool. So you're in Boston meeting with a, a new vendor that you're going to be using to help build a product. Uh, for one of your clients, um, you know, a client of that, this agency that you work Right, for. yeah. Okay, cool. How's the weather in Boston? Feels great. I uh, took a long walk earlier, and it started raining right at the tip of it, and then it stopped by the time I got back. But um, since then, it's been really good. Right on, right on. Okay, cool. So you are the creator of the Healthy Paws app. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so like I said, I work at um, Scapecchio, the uh, marketing agency, and um, maybe... You know, a few months ago now, they've, I've been getting a lot of questions about developing apps, and I just didn't know anything. Um, so I started looking into it, and the last time I looked in it, into it was before Swift, so more in the Objective-C era, and it was just too much to handle learning Swift and Xcode all at the same time. Um, but this time around, um, I was just looking at Swift, and it looked a lot easier, and I've, I'm very familiar with JavaScript. It looked a lot like that. So, um, yeah, I kind of started there, and I wanted to build my own app just so I can learn more and more about it. And I come, came up with a bunch of ideas, kind of the most, um, the one that I felt like would be the easiest was this Healthy Paws. It's a dog tracking app or dog park tracking app. So I track things like going to the park and I give back statistics like uh, your weekly average, uh, monthly average, things like that. Okay, so Healthy Paws, what exactly does it do? So... When I first started out, I just wanted to get kind of my minimum viable product. So I kind of um, started learning just how to build an app, and that was Xcode. So the first launch was just you would log in, um, hit, I went to the park today, and then it would give you a few statistics about um, that visit. It basically just adds your day uh, to an array and then saves that to Firebase, which is um, kind of like a, I guess, like a backend as, as a service type thing that Google builds. And um, I'll save it to that. And it's basically just managing this array and giving you that array in different numbers. So I'll give you the um, how many 
days you've went the past 30 days, your all-time days, and then um, that was just to get the first version. And then moving from there, I just add features here and there. So I just finished learning how to do um, today extensions. So I kind of built that in and gave different things or th gave some of those numbers. And from here, I'm going to be, I'll be learning more like geotagging um, things so that when you actually go to the park, it pops up and say, hey, are you at the park? Do you want to log your visit? Um, and things like that. Okay, so it sounds like Healthy Paws, you open the app, you say, I am at the park, or I went to the dog park today, and it just stores, you know, it just, it stores that information in a list, and then the next time you open up dog park, or I'm sorry, Healthy Paws, it shows you all the dog parks that you went to, or, or how many times you went there, or... Yeah, kind of like a fitness app for your dog. Okay, okay, cool. Why did you think of that idea? Um, well, because have I dog? have a dog and I go to the park a lot. Um, and I just had a long list of different ideas that I wanted to do. Some were more social networks. Um, and I just had all these different ideas. And this was just like with me not knowing anything about Swift or anything I felt was the most viable to actually be able to create. Um, so that's kind of the one that I went after. Okay, cool. So did you enjoy, uh, enjoy doing that? I mean, it's really interesting. Like you had no prior program experience and then just I think you said like six weeks later you you know you ship this app like what was your yeah I guess what was your motivation yeah so um I guess a lot of your listeners are, listeners are new and I know that and I kind of started listening to you maybe a few weeks after I started learning Swift at all um so I started out using uh this kind of blog called Hacking with Swift and he basically walks through a bunch of different um, apps that you can build. Um, the first one's like a image gallery. There's some like stuff about sharing and he just walks you through step by step how to use Xcode and Swift at the same time. Um, so I did that for about two weeks. And then from there, um, before and after work every day, I would just, um, do a lot of Googling for the features that I were trying to build. And, you know, just kind of, I just kind of grinded through for, you know, that month there building healthy paws until I had it launched. And then since then, um, in my Evernote, I just have like a version list and what features and what things I want to learn. And basically I turn the things that I want to learn into a feature in the app. And then I have that, you know, set into a new version. And then I have all of those worked out. So I basically know what my next six versions of the app are going to look like um, based on what I want to learn. So right. that's kind of how I've been approaching it. Right. Well, okay, first off, let me let me back up and say congratulations. That's really cool. You had no prior programming experience and um, you know, you just had an idea, you set out to to make it a reality, and six weeks later, you did. And I think that's really awesome, really commendable, and good job. And I think um, it gives hope to a lot of other people out there, um, especially those without any program experience, um, just like you, prior program experience, yeah. that they can do that too. Um, and so that's really good. And that's, you know, one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on Um was you know to talk about that actually we should we should mention that like how did how did we meet exactly like I think I just got an email from you so like how did that work out yeah so like I said once a few weeks after I started I started listening to your podcast and I came across one where you were kind of talking about yourself a little bit and at the end of that podcast you asked for people to reach out if they were interested and so I did and um, I just thought that because your audience were mostly people learning that they'd be interested in my story and kind of what I did to get to, you know, learning Swift and then getting it on the app store, which kind of boils down to just doing it. Right. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So there you go, guys. Like you can just hit me up 
And uh, so Gilbert and I did a little bit of back and forth. And, um, you know, now here he is and we're chatting. And then again, it's like for for those of you out there that are in a similar situation, you know, you're kind of new to all this and you have an idea and you want to make it a reality. Like Gilbert is a testament. I mean, I ha- haven't checked out Healthy Paws um, yet. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's pretty cool. And, and sounds like he's got a bunch of things he wants to add to it. So, yeah, it's a testament to like the fact that you can do that. Okay, but I want to go back and understand, like, what was the original motivation? Like, why? So you're doing marketing, you're doing agency work, I think it sounds like what you're doing. And yeah. um, and you wake up one day and you're like, I want to make Healthy Paws, or I want to make an app, or what? Like, why all of a sudden do you decide that you want to learn Objective-C, which it sounds like it was Objective-C at the time. Like, why all of a sudden did you want to do that? Um, well, I've always been interested in kind of creating something from nothing, and I think programming is a great way to do that. Um, in, in college is when I kind of look into the Objective-C stuff, and it was just kind of way over my head. Um, all of my prior experience is more in, like, the um, JavaScript, like all the web languages. Um, so that's kind of where I started a few years ago. And then I kind of gave up on it because I just wasn't making any progress. And then, like I said, a few months ago is when I was getting asked a bunch of questions at work just about, you know, what can we do to get this app built? And, you know, they were just asking me all these kinds of questions and I just didn't know the answers to them. So to make sure if these projects did happen, I would have some sort of working knowledge. I decided to try and learn Swift a little bit. And that's when I started doing the hacking with Swift. And I just liked it so much that I decided to keep running with it and um, trying to come up with an app to kind of learn more, which is what Healthy Pause has become. Basically, I just think up a feature that I think of something that I want to learn. I figure out how to integrate it with the app, and then I build it out. And then my plan is from here, you know, I have a long list of other ideas that I'd like to build. Um, so my plan from here would be to, you know, kind of start those and doing a full-fledged product. I think that you have a you made a really good point there, which is you were being asked by, it sounds like your colleagues, questions related to, to mobile, maybe iPhone specifically. Yeah. And you set out to, you know, educate yourself about that, not because you necessarily want to be a developer or make iPhone apps, but you just wanted to be more knowledgeable. And through my meetup, I actually meet a lot of people like that, whether they're designers or product people uh, or CEOs, they just want to learn about programming, uh, specifically mobile and iPhone, so that they're more educated uh, when they have conversations with their team or potential team members or whatever it might be. And so if that might be you, you know, out there, like you might be a CEO or a graphic designer or something like that. And you're just interested and that's cool too. Like you definitely, it's good to have a better understanding so you can be a better teammate or a better supervisor or whatever it is. And so that was a really good point. Uh, I want to go, um, back to like, you said you were studying a little bit of programming was it in college or high school you said but you kind of weren't getting anywhere is that what you said yeah I, I was interested in it in college um so I graduated college in 2014 so probably like my sophomore year I was looking into iOS development and just trying to learn Xcode and Objective-C at the same time and there's H files and M files and the app delegate right. and I just there's all these different things to learn and there's just too much for me to handle and um, then there's like storyboards I just didn't know how it all tied together because um, I was trying to figure out so much at once and then you know, Swift came along, and like I said, that was a lot more familiar of a language, and it was a lot easier for me to grasp the syntax of that. So what were you studying in college? What was your major? 
my major was information systems, which is kind of like a split between um, technology and business. Okay, and did you actually like get that, like go forward with that degree and, and, and you know pass and get that degree, graduate? I did. So I went to UC, and um, UC has a lot of co-op opportunities. So I've kind of joined the co-op program there, and that landed me in an agency in Cincinnati. And, um, you know, I just didn't even know that that whole world existed, really. So I got really lucky in that aspect. And What's I worked UC? at an agency in, for a few years, and then um, I got an offer in Louisville, and I ended up moving down there, which, coincidentally, my girlfriend lives in Louisville. So that worked out great. What's UC? Sorry, University of Cincinnati. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So then you said it was uh, information systems technology? That's right. So the job you're doing right now, is that related to your major? It actually is, which I feel like is rare because a, a lot of people that I work with, you know, were doing something in, crazy different in, in college. Um, but yeah, like a, a lot of my job is doing a lot of business stuff, um, you know, mixed with a lot of technology. So it just kind of worked out really well. Okay. And then as a part of the your degree in college, were you required to take a lot of programming courses or? Not really. I mean, I took, well, to rewind a little bit, my freshman and sophomore year, I was actually in computer engineering and I ended up switching. Oh, um, why? So in those years, I did um, Java, uh, C++ and stuff like that. Um, but I switched for a reason, you know, I, I wasn't always I didn't completely grasp all of I didn't grasp C++ great at all. Um, right. Yeah. I probably would not have either. Uh, so is that why you switched then? You just didn't really get it and you were just like, eh. Yeah. And again, I wasn't really interested in being a developer, which it seemed like that was more of the track there. Um, I was more interested in the business side of it. So with Healthy Pause especially, I not only love learning the development pieces and learning how to build everything out, but the marketing side is what's really interesting to me. So, you know, once I get to that point, um, I'll really be able to run away with that, and um, I have a lot of fun with that. So is that still the case, would you say? You don't actually want to be a developer? You want to be more on like the business development or marketing side? Professionally, yes. Um, but as a side hobby, I would love to have like a whole suite of different apps. And you know, if I could turn that into a thing where I was um, you know, an indie developer, I would love to do something like that because I'm kind of owning the whole product. Um, so that's not only development, but it would also be you know, all of the marketing side and then the product development side. So coming up with features and what works out. So I, I kind of enjoy the thing as a whole. And if I could own it as a whole, that'd be great. Um, but if I'm working somewhere like an agency and where I don't really get to make the decisions of what I'm building, um, I don't want to be that kind of developer. I mean, you could be like maybe one of your apps takes off and like then you start building a team and you hire developers to be on your team, but you're like running the show, maybe like a CEO. I think being someone who's on the biz dev like product or marketing side who like knows a good amount of, of engineering is like really valuable. Um, that's sort of where I started. Um, I didn't think I was going to be a developer or even want to be a developer. I just thought I was going to be like an idea or biz dev or something like a product person. But then like that turned into kind of like you, like just wanting to learn more. And then I realized, wow, I love this development stuff. And so now that's what I'm doing full time. Yeah. Have you I thought about have you thought about doing something like that or, or maybe eventually falling into a role like that? A role like development? No, um, like, like being a CEO, like a like an engineer CEO. Like, you know, like oh, yeah, think yeah. about some of the big CEOs out there. 
like Mark Zuckerberg is an engineer who too became a CEO. Evan uh, Spiegel or whatever his name is, Snapchat. He's like an engineer turned CEO. Uh, Steve Jobs, like even him, he was like a an engineer. He didn't. He wasn't like amazing engineer, at least from what I've read. But he was like he knew a little bit about it. You know, it's pretty pretty interesting. I think even Tim Cook is like comes from an engineering background. Oh, does he? I didn't know that. But it, I actually yeah. just watched a uh, the Recode interview with the guy from Snapchat. That's a really good interview there. Um, but yeah, I would love to do something like that. Um, CEO is kind of like, you know, the goal. Um, I have a website actually called New Hobby Box, which is kind of like a subscription service. So um, that's kind of something I built just to kind of like learn all of those different sides. And, you know, development is this Healthy Paws app that I'm building is kind of going to give me another chance to kind of form that, um, you know, knowledge base and, and learn as much as I can on all different aspects of, you know, a business, which I think is important for any role, no matter if you're if you do want to stay on the development track or if you want to do something else, to kind of understand how something works as a whole um, helps you give you a, a unique perspective. Yeah. So if you guys are listening, just make sure you understand that. Like, maybe you have an interest in development now, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, maybe you're a business person that just wants to become more educated. Maybe you become a developer. Maybe you don't. But either way. Like you have more knowledge now, you're more knowledgeable, you can speak to your team better because you have a, a little bit of engineering experience and software is only going to become more ubiquitous and important. So that's yeah. a really good point. Uh, let's talk a little bit about new hobby box. Like what, what is that and how did you, how did that come to be? Uh, yeah, so that's a, like I said, a subscription service that I have. So newhobbybox.com. It's basically, we send a new hobby out every month. I I'm kind of co-owner in that with a friend of mine. So I started it. It kind of grew and it kind of got too big for me to handle. Um, he said that he was willing to help. So he came on and now, you know, we have our own office in Louisville. We have a little over, we have around 300 subscribers every month. And, you know, that goes up and down throughout the month, but it's been steadily growing. Um, yeah. And this month is yoga. So, you know, we just kind of pick a random hobby that maybe you wouldn't have tried out on your own, which is kind of like, where like how I live I just like try to learn as much about everything like as I can so uh, I you know I kind of touched on that with why I learned uh, Swift but I just like to know so much about as many things as I can so that's kind of what new hobby box is all about who uh, I actually checked out the website who built the website I actually built the website so I have a it's built on a service called Crate Joy, but I do I did a lot of custom HTML stuff so that's kind of you know when I had first started at the agency and like how this time I'm learning Swift, then I would kind of built things to learn HTML, CSS, uh, JavaScript. And this was kind of a result of that. Awesome. You said it was Crate Joy? Crate Joy, yeah. It's just kind of like a, it handles all the backend subscription stuff for you, um, but you can customize it however you want. That's cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so you're definitely like an entrepreneur. You have this new hobby box thing you started. You have like healthy pause. When I, when I first got your email and you like messaged me, you said all this stuff. I was like, wow, who is this guy? It sounds like he's got a lot of energy. It's pretty cool to meet someone that has like, you know, a lot of energy. Uh, yeah, so people you. people say when I go like do my meetup and I tell them all the things I'm doing, they say that about me, but it's nice to like meet someone. I think like you seem like you have more energy than I do. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. So that, that's really cool. Well, man, I don't know. It's just really impressive, I think. And, uh, Oh, it's just really awesome. Let's talk. Let's talk more about like the experience of, you know, what's going through your mind. I guess like you are you're doing this. Uh, you're doing your agency work. Like, how do you start? 
like you're like, okay, I want to start making apps. Let's like say it's still Objective C. Like, what did you actually try to do? Like, how did you go about trying to learn um, to start educating yourself? So with Objective C, I started with the Stanford tutorials on, uh, not tutorials, but the lectures on iTunes. Right. So just kind of watching those and it just wasn't a great way for me to learn. And maybe I, maybe I stopped that a little prematurely, but I just felt like so overwhelmed with it. So I kind of gave up kind of early back then. Um, but like I said, when I went to Swift, I used this thing called hacking with Swift and it's just, it was just like so perfect with, for the way that I learned, just learned by building and by doing, which is how I like, you know, how things click for me. And once I built a couple of those apps, it just kind of all clicked at the same time and I could Google and I could go on Stack Overflow and um, I could pull the bits and pieces out that I needed to um, and understand how they worked because of that. So what was overwhelming about trying to learn Objective-C and um, using the Stanford course? What was, why was that overwhelming? Why do you think you stopped? It was just so different from anything that I had tried before. So relating it back to, I was trying to make it fit into what I knew about HTML and CSS, which is just not the right way to think about it. Um, but that's all that I knew. So I was saying, like, how does this translate to JavaScript or how does this translate, you know, looking at, like, storyboards and, like, how, like where's the CSS equivalent in iOS? And it just wasn't there. And I guess everything that they were saying in that lecture, I was trying to relate back to that, and, and nothing was connecting for me. Um, so I, I think I just started in the wrong place and at the wrong mindset, and I was learning HTML and CSS at the same time. So... Um, I don't, I don't yeah, know. no, that, just, makes, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I mean, it wasn't, you had a mental model of what programming was in Objective-C and whatever Xcode, like, didn't fit that mental model. Right. And um, who knows, maybe you were trying to, and it sounds like you were also learning web development at the time, so, like, maybe it was just too much. Um, so then how long after that, like, let's say you, you stopped, you, quit, you gave up, or you put off to the side, how long after that did you pick up Swift? Um, it's been maybe three or four years now, so um, I just kind of forgot about it completely. But I've always been really interested in Apple and all the things that they build. So I've always had an iPhone. I've always had Macs. Um, so it, I've always been interested in, like, how, how do people come up with these ideas and how do people, like, build these things that I'm using? And if I were to build this, how would I do it? And I've always just been kind of interested in that sort of, you know, thinking. Um, it made it really easy for me to get motivated when... Swift came around and even when it first came out, I was really interested in it, but I knew it being open source or it like becoming open source that was going to move so quickly and that maybe it wasn't the right time for me to jump in because everything that I learned is going to change, you know, every six months. And I feel like it's kind of leveled off a little bit, especially with Swift 3 coming through. Um, I just felt like it was a good timing um, considering what was happening at work and with Swift. Right. Okay, so you uh, tried to learn Objective-C, you put it off to the side, it sounds like a couple of years passed, then Swift comes out, and um, I mean, you, the whole time you're paying attention to Apple and all these types of things, and then this summer you decided to actually, you know, go for it. Right. How did you find hacking with Swift? I mean, obviously Googling, but like, how did you find it and then decide to like stick with that one? Yeah, so kind of how I find anything is through Reddit, so... Um, I just kind of went on, there's simple iOS, there's, um, you know, there's an iOS programming subreddit. So I just kind of read through there. I kind of searched the archives until I, and I just looked for as many possible, um, like tutorials or like 
places to learn that I could, and I kind of checked them all out. And then, you know, the minute I got to hacking with Swift and, like, kind of looking through the tutorial and how step-by-step it was and how he kind of assumes that you know nothing, especially in those first five programs, it, I just felt like it was just a perfect uh, tool for me to learn. Okay, cool. And what's the the style? It's like you build you build straight up. It's a tutorial. It's video. It's uh, written. What's the style for hacking with Swift? So it's it's all written and it, and it's all free. Um, you can buy the book, which basically is just basically paying for offline mode. But it's all written in split into different segments. So it'll be a project, and he'll say like he'll start at open Xcode, type in the project name, type in you know your bundle ID. And he kind of explains what all these mean and how they work with each other. So throughout those first, you know, five different projects, he's just introducing you to Xcode, basically, and the preset, um, like a a lot of the stuff that Xcode does for you and how it works together. So he he walks you through storyboards. He walks you through what the Swift file means, um, a little bit through of the app delegate stuff. So he just... That's cool. Yeah, so... You just go really step by step, like tells you how to do things and then tells you why you're doing those things. That's really cool. I think I've read a little bit uh, from Hacking with Swift. Um, have you ever seen a video uh, from him or heard his voice? I think he might be English. Oh, really? No, I've actually, I probably should have looked because that would have been even easier. But no, I've never looked for videos. I don't know where I'm getting that from. I, I have a feeling he might be English. It, that, and maybe, I don't even know, maybe it's not even a guy, but I thought it was a guy and he's English. I'm um, sure he okay. is, he spells color with a U, so he's from somewhere. That, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Okay, so if you were going to recommend hacking with Swift to um, a Swift learner, like what type of, of learner would it be? Like someone, someone obviously like you, but like what is that exactly? Um, you know, obviously there are different kind of learners. There are people that learn by reading and people that learn by doing. If you're the kind of person that learns by reading, maybe the Apple documentation is better. Um, but, you know, I think this even fits for that. So I, I would recommend it to anybody, really, but especially for people that learn by doing. Um, because, you know, I get demotivated very quickly when I have to read, you know, 500 pages before I can start anything. And that's kind of why I switched to just starting my app to learn uh, once I kind of got the grasp of it. So the Hacking with Swift walks you through 30 different apps. I did the first like seven or so before I started um, Healthy Paws because I felt like I understood enough to, um, you know, Google and figure things out on my own. So if you're the kind of person that learns by doing, I highly recommend Hacking with Swift. Okay, cool. So I want to talk a little bit about like what were some of the biggest challenges like when you just started out. For instance, uh, you mentioned I think when you were learning uh, back when it was Objective C, like how to tie it all together. So to me, that I totally relate to that, and that was one of the biggest challenges for me um, starting out. So, what are some other uh, like what were some other like really big challenges? Um, for instance, you mentioned you know having a familiar mental model. Like mm-hmm. what were some of the, when you started learning Swift and you started, you finally found hacking with Swift, like what were just some of the big challenges that you can remember as you were learning? Yeah, so probably the, like more of the debugging stuff. So once I got hacking, once I got, I'm sorry, a healthy pause to a place where I could start testing it and making sure everything was working okay, I found all of these edge cases that where the app would just crash or break. And it was really hard to kind of debug that and figure out how to fix those things. Um, 
you know, in HTML and CSS, there's not really like a, you don't print anything to the console or anything like that. So just kind of learning best practices around debugging, I think was a kind of a difficult part. And then test kind of monkey testing the whole thing. So if I click between transitions, what happens? And I found a lot of the times if I clicked between transitions, it would crash. If I clicked be- before Firebase loaded, it would, cl- it would crash. So um, I guess trying to figure out how to fix all of those things while still learning Swift and all, stu- all these other things at the same time. So how did you overcome those challenges? Did you, I mean, did you ever overcome them? And, and how, <laughs> how did you? Uh, I think so. Um, you know, I'm still learning, but I kind of just, I, I work out of Evernote a lot. So I basically just have a task list in, in Evernote for every, all of my versions and everything that I need to fix and kind of putting everything like, I work on just this one thing right now and then I'll, I'll work on the rest later. Kind of taking my time and focusing on one thing at a time made it really easy. So, you know, at first I basically what I did to fix the if you tap before um, Firebase loads, you know, I just put a loading indicator and I just disabled all, all the buttons that they could click that it would cause a crash. You know, there are probably better ways to do that. And I've been listening to other podcasts and all these other things about testing. Um, so I, I kind of am getting more familiar with different concepts and different ways of testing. I, but I haven't dove into those too far yet, um, but I definitely plan to. Okay, I I don't know exactly what the issue is, but you kind of mentioned it um, sort of twice, like about Firebase loading. It could be that you are, uh, like, it, it's a, a thread issue, right? Like background thread versus uh, main thread. Um, mm-hmm. And so you could be potentially on a background thread and then the user taps and... The, you know, it's still on like the background thread or something like that. It could be something like that if you, um, but usually there would be like a warning saying trying to update the UI on a background thread, something like that. But you might want to look into that. That the way you solved it is definitely uh, one way. Just say, okay, the user can't touch the application um, while um, like on a background thread, like doing something asynchronously, like hitting Firebase. Um, and that's definitely something that you'll see a lot of apps doing. But uh, it, that might be the reason why. I can't say exactly. And uh, so you might want to look into that. Yeah. Uh, it was mostly happening on load, so on first load. So I, I, I think it was just that it wasn't connected to the database yet. So it was trying to write to something that didn't exist. So the whole thing okay. would just crash. Um, okay. I think you have t- uh, two good points there as well. Uh, one is like you have a list. You mentioned it before. You have like a list of all the features. This is something I, I need to do, but this is uh, something that I can't remember who it was. Uh, one of my, oh, I think it was Maximilian Literal also mentioned like as a, as a tip is to like write down all the different features and all the different ideas that you have. Just write them down so you don't forget them. And then the other point that you made, which is like you pick one and you focus on it because there's so much that we can do. There's so many different things we can do. We can fix things, refactor things, make things easier to read. We can add features, right? But it's really good to focus and like pick one thing. Yeah, I think having a roadmap is definitely very important. And then picking one thing, because if you're like, if you're 20% of the way through six different bugs, um, you know, it's really hard to make progress. And really, it's really easy to get discouraged when nothing's being fixed. But if you just pick one thing at a time and work on that until it's fixed, maybe one or two things at a time, you know, that that you know positive feedback loop happens a lot quicker and it's it's easy for you to stay motivated 
So are there any other things that you can recall that were like really big challenges um, that you needed to overcome like while you're while you were first learning and even now? Um, Cocoa Pods has been kind of a learning experience. So, um, you know, I install Firebase with Cocoa Pods and just kind of, I guess, working with libraries in general is, is just kind of something new for me and then or different APIs. Um, so I have to read through documentation from all these different places. They're all kind of written, you know, in different ways and of different quality. Um, so I think integrating with other services has kind of been a struggle. Um, and I don't really know of much of a better way to solve that than just by doing it. So that's kind of what I've been doing is just kind of, you know, integrating different libraries here and there, using CocoaPods as much as possible to learn these things. And then, um, you know, I, I also build a lot of prototyped apps. So if there's something in particular that's causing me a lot of trouble to implement, I'll isolate it by doing an app with only that piece. And that kind of helps me understand, you know, that piece by itself before I try to understand that piece and how it interacts with my app. That's a great idea. So you mentioned two things there, the CocoaPods uh, topic and then the isolated apps. I, I call them like, you know, experimentation apps or test projects or, you know, example apps or whatever it is. I think that's a great idea. Anytime I want to learn a new API, for instance, like if I want to play with some new feature uh, or API that Apple just introduced, um, it's it's great idea to just make a sample application just for that specific thing. Like, and I always try, like, what's, like, the minimum amount of work that I need to do to get this basic thing working, right? Like, for instance, show a map and show the user's location on the map, right? Like, and, and so just build, like, a small little app just for that. And then once I get a hang, hang on that, I can implement it in my, you know, main project. Are you putting any of those, uh, those sample applications on online, like on GitHub or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I, ha I use Bitbucket because it's free private repositories, but I, I have, so with, when I was first learning Firebase, getting the login stuff to work was a huge problem for me. Um, so I, I built this kind of Firebase app that only deals with the Firebase pieces. So, um, it's creating an account, logging in with an email address, um, saving that to a database and then saving items to an array in that database. So I can put all these things online. I can even kind of put my, you know, roadmap on the versions that I've built already and just kind of how I've organized my thoughts in Evernote. I can send you all of those sorts of things. Yeah, I, I always put, or I try to put my experimentation applications on uh, my GitHub, you know, so it's public. Like, there's so much stuff out there. So, uh, you know, I'm sure probably no one will ever see it, but it could be especially like a lot of my members, they know about me, they know about my GitHub. So if they want to learn about, you know, how to do a very basic shape or animation or something very basic with an NSURL session, like I have example projects up there. And that's what I usually focus on is like the very basic to just get up and running like with it. And those things are helpful. Uh, yeah. The other thing, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, that was very helpful for me too. Uh, just kind of going on GitHub and just searching for a project and downloading it. And like, even if I didn't change anything, just kind of reading it and seeing how they dealt with things um, definitely helped learn what a what good code looks like. And the other thing you mentioned was CocoaPods. So just in case, um, you know, people don't know, CocoaPods is a dependency manager. And so the idea here is, let's say you have like five apps that you're, that five app ideas that you have that you're making and every app that you're going to make has like the same kind of feature. Like the, for instance, the one I'm the cocoa pod or the pod that I'm building for myself is a location picker. 
like it's a it's a feature where you can present a map and you can and you could search the map for for places and select one of those places right like a location picker and each uh, like each of those apps like those five apps want to have that same feature right well rather than building it into each five of uh, five of those apps and then having to maintain that you build one of them and you turn it into a pod and then you install that pod into your five apps and that's what you're doing with um, you know, so, so that's what you're doing with, Coke, uh, with uh, Firebase, right? So Google created this thing called Firebase, and uh, you're installing it as a pod into your application, and then you're using it. But you can do that on your own. You can make your own pods, and that's what I was just, what I was just talking about. Um, and so, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, yeah, great thing about CocoaPods, too, is that, um, you know, you can download a, a library from anywhere and just place it into your app. But with CocoaPods, it makes it easy to update those, so... If you're updating your app to Swift 3 and all of your libraries were manually added for Swift 2, things might break. Um, but maybe if the library was updated by the, you know, the community or the developer um, for Swift 3, you can update that CocoaPod and it would repull it from wherever it's hosted. Yeah, that's a really good point. So what Gilbert's talking about is like you could just drag and drop like a file or the files for that particular pod into your project. But yeah, what CocoaPods or other dependency managers do is it makes it so all you have to do is, let's say, say pod update, and it, and it updates the pod if that pod was actually updated. And so Swift actually has its own dependency manager. It's called Swift Package Manager. It's very new, and it's so it's not, not that many people are really using it yet. CocoaPods is here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, okay, so that's CocoaPods, and you can go to CocoaPods.org to like learn more about it, and, and that's how you're going to most likely install a lot of like the big um, pods out there that you'll hear about, like you know Alamo Fire or something like that, or in this case, Firebase. Um, so, can we talk a little bit about that experience? Like, how did you, like, how did you do that? Like you you had to open up Terminal, I'm assuming, and run like what was it, like sudo gem install CocoaPods and all that stuff, right? Right, and you know, to be honest, I'm still learning CocoaPods, so I I can't even really explain too well what I've done so far, but. I use a MacBook, uh, the new, like just like thin MacBook, the one with you know no ports. Oh wow, that's what you develop on? Yeah, so I have a I don't have another laptop at home. I have a MacBook Pro, um, but this one's just so light, and I love working at coffee shops and stuff. And so right. this makes it really easy to bike to a coffee shop, and open up a laptop and, and get working. And there was an issue I think with um, the version of Ruby or something that was installed. So I, I did have some problems installing um, CocoaPods. And right, since I don't right. really understand it, uh, you know, it made that kind of difficult. But I, I stumbled through it, and I ended up getting it working. Yeah, there's always some issue with, with trying to install these type of things. It's so it's so funny. They make it so easy. They say like, yeah, just run this command in the terminal, and like, but right. uh, okay. And then what about you said you use Bitbucket? Are you using like a um, like a GUI type app to interact with Bitbucket, or are you doing? Um, like when you put push something up to Bitbucket, are you using like the built-in stuff in Xcode or using the terminal? Are you using like a, like a Bitbucket client like on your Mac? How are you doing that? Yeah, so version management is definitely another thing that I would love to learn more about, but I'm just using what's built into Xcode. So oh, cool. I get a URL from Bitbucket. I placed it in Xcode and I just kind of update my repository through there. Um, I know that That's there awesome. are better ways to do it. I just don't know how to do that. Well, there's not necessarily better ways. Um, I think that that's great that you're doing it that way. And, you you know, some people aren't even, like, thinking about it yet. I think that version control is something 
that you can put off to the side at least for the first little while because as you mentioned before there's so many things you have to learn and how do you tie it all together I don't think you really need to worry about adding another thing which is version control so for those that might not know like how do you manage all the different versions of your of your code right and you like let's say you put out a release uh, with this particular feature and then you want to start developing new features well how do you manage all of like the different versions and so there is this thing called version control and the more, more popular one these days is called git it's fairly new um, and Xcode has these built-in tools that um, sounds like Gilbert's using. I think that's a great way to get started. That's how I started. Um, even like to clone projects, I think you can just do it directly in Xcode. Like you just get the URL from GitHub or wherever, and you um, when you create a new project, um, I think you can like there's that there's that like welcome window, and it says like clone a repository or something. So that's how I got started was was doing it that way, too. So I think you're already ahead of, of most people, probably. Yeah, and I only know about version control because of where I work. So I work with a lot of developers very closely. So we do a lot of version control for, you know, any web stuff that we build. So I was kind of looking for something, especially since I learned, you know, by tinkering. I, I very could e very easily messed up my project completely plenty of times and didn't know how to fix it. Um, so that, you know, that's when version control really came in handy. Right on. So what are you planning on um, learning next? I mean, you're, you have this app in the app store, you could like, you could add features. Um, it sounds like you're not necessarily trying to become the best or a better, you know, developer, you're more about like on the practical side, because you're coming from this like business development. So like, what, what are you planning on learning next? So next on my, you know, kind of learning to do list is to send the user a notification when they enter a location. So I want them to be able to set parks and then get a notification when they are near that park so they don't have to remember to open the app when they get there. Um, you know, which I understand that the way that my app is set up right now is kind of it's slightly confusing and it's like not like super helpful unless you remember to log all of your visits. But, you know, like I said, it's it's easy to get started like it's hard to get started so you know if you can just like do something and build it like get like the base features in there and put that in the app store that's very motivating so you know that's what i did and i'm slowly adding features and i'm slowly making it better and better and better you don't need a full-fledged product especially when you're learning at launch day because chances are whether it's a great app or you know version 0.0.1 not many people are going to download it and unless, you know, you have a big marketing team behind it. So just get something in the app store and then kind of get feedback as soon as possible and, you know, build features as, as often as possible. So right now I'm building the location stuff. I'm trying to make it more and more and more useful um, as I go based off how people are using it and, you know, based off how I'm using it. I think it's a really good point. Like I've struggled with, I haven't even put an app in the app store, you know, and I work full time as a developer. It just never happened for me. I don't know if it's like, like OCD, like I want it to be perfect or whatever. But, you, you know, you're coming from a different school of thought, which I think is totally valid. And it's like kind of almost just like, I like it. It's like fearless and do it, which is actually my style usually. And it's just like get something in there and then start, you know, start iterating on it and add, you know, add features. I think that's great advice. And because going through that whole process is like, it's got to be very satisfying, you know, and like encouraging too. Yeah, I think the most demoralizing thing could be you spend a whole year building out a full-fledged app and then nobody uses it. 
But um, I listened to a podcast with underscore or of underscore David Smith, and what he basically recommends is don't spend more than three months building any app before you submit it to launch. So that's kind of what I stuck to. Um, I tried to do it in less than three months. I ended up doing it in kind of a month and a half or so um, because maybe my standard of quality is lower than his. He has a much larger audience, so he had people that were going to download already. But basically, I subscribed to that train of thought. Just get something in the App Store as soon as possible and then iterate on it. Yeah, that's a great idea or a great, you know, great school of thought, I'd say. Okay, so going back to the specific uh, thing that you want to learn. So it sounds like you're still very on the practical learning. I want to, this is the new feature I want to add. Let me go learn that particular feature. And I think that's great. Um, that's that's where I was when I was first starting out. And then as I learned more and became more interested in the actual development, it was more about like, let me learn about better practices or whatever it is. And like, so I think that that's awesome. And then the specific feature that you want to learn, it sounds like you want to learn geofencing. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So the data that you have, um, are you like, do you have, um, like a database that you're populating or does the user generate all this information, like what the park is? Like, like, is there a database of all the dog parks that you know about and are you using that or how does that work? So to start out, I would want basically the user to log that. So the user would log and say, there's a park here and notify me when it goes there. But I would basically want that to populate a database on my end that eventually would I'll, I'll make public to everybody. Right. I wonder if there is already a web service or at least a database um, that has a list of all the dog parks in the state or the country or the city or the world. Have you looked into that? I actually haven't, but that's a good that's a good thing. I should probably look into that before I build one on my own. Yeah, and check out this website called Programmable Web. I think programmableweb.com basically is a database of web services. So for those that don't know, a web service is usually a database that has a public API, meaning that you can you know, ping or query uh, the database uh, using that API and, uh, and receive data back. So it's a, it's a web service. And you can create your own web, web services, but there are a lot of web services out there. And it's a great way to, to learn uh, how to interact with a web service, like uh, let's say use NSURL session to hit some sort of um, server. It's a great way to learn that is by using one of these web services because they're free usually and you know they're they're well documented. So you might want to check that website out and there might be a dog park API already. And so what you could do is just have you know have healthy paws like backed by this web service. Um, eventually maybe you want to you know have your own database or something like that. But that could be really cool. Okay, now assuming. Because what the reason I was bringing this up, like sort of where I was going, is like what you could possibly do is like user opens the app for the first time and you could like check their location and then say like, oh, he's uh, this person, uh, the user is in Chicago. Let me find all the dog parks in Chicago. And then I could set up geofences for like, let's say five of them or something like that. Um, and the next time they go to that dog park, I can notify, hey, you're in the dog park without any user interaction. Now that uh, that's like a really like that'd be awesome, right? Yeah. I think what you're doing like going the way you're doing it is awesome. You should go that way. But that's something you could look into. Now, uh, we'll keep in mind the geofences 
their shared resource. So like I think every application is only limited to like 23 or something like that because uh, all applications share this like uh, share this resource. So I think Apple limits the number of geofences you can set in your application. Yeah, that's a very good thing to know. I did not know that. So I'll definitely keep that in mind. And I'll check out Programmable Web too. That sounds great. Yeah, so the, the geofence thing is a part of core location, if you haven't looked into it yet. So I, I'm pretty familiar with core location. I spent about like two months just working with that API. Um, and so geofencing is actually pretty pretty easy. Um, you know, you just say, like, let's say the user presses a button, right? And you just say, okay, create a geofence in this location. And then you just have to um, uh, be the delegate of the core location manager. And so when the user exits that uh, enters or exits, you can say whatever, whichever one you want. Um, you just get the delegate call back. It's pretty fun. Good. Let yep. me know. Let, let me know if you uh, need any help as you start learning that one. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I haven't even started yet, so I just finished uh, trying to figure out today extensions, and I, I finally got that working. So this is kind of when, what I'll be working on from here on out. When did you start learning today extensions? Um, maybe about a week and a half ago. Uh, I started looking into like what are today extensions and how do you use them. Um, like I, like I said, I built my own prototype app, um, and then I kind of integrated that with my, with my you know, shipped app. And it's nothing crazy, and it's like not super like uh, complex today extension, but you know it taught me enough to learn kind of how to use it. What does the healthy pause today extension do? It just tells you your. So there are there are a couple of different kind of metrics that I'm going to start basing everything off of. So future updates will have things like you'll have a level. So you'll have like a a level that you've hit based off of your average weekly park visits. And then you'll have streaks and you'll like be able to add friends and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't have all that stuff built in yet. So for now, it's just um, your last 30 day average and then. Um, I think it's your like total or your last 30 days visits, like how many visits you've made, or maybe it might be like your total visits or something, but it was basically just to get something in there. So I learned how to do it. And then when I kind of build in these other features, when I'll do like the full version. So I'm looking at my version list here and I'm on version 0.1.4. So I'm kind of considering all of these, my beta versions. And then, you know, I've got version 0.2, a couple versions of that, a couple versions of 0.3, and then kind of when I start doing the redesign and the friends list is when version 1 will kind of be it, and that'll be like what I consider my live app and when I start, you know, all the marketing and stuff. So awesome. I kind of translated that to my today extension. It's just kind of the, the base stuff right now, and then when it goes to my version 1, that'll be much more flushed out. And so the today extension, for those that might not know, it's uh, in the uh, notification center when you swipe down from the from the top off screen, it brings up notification center and it's the you know the pane. Um, when if you swipe all the way from left to right, there's that like today view, and so that's what you're talking about, right? It's like a little today widget, right? Right. Okay. Cool. What was your experience like uh, learning how to to make one of those? And you shipped that already, right? Yeah, that actually got approved uh, Thursday or Friday. So awesome! Congratulations. So yeah, what was your experience like um, building that? Um, was it pretty it was, easy? Or? Yeah, it was easier than I thought. Um, I started. I did have like a much more ambitious plan for it, so to where you could actually add like write to Firebase and stuff from there. So I went through like a couple of days of 
struggling with that. And then I finally realized there's no app delegate for op, app delegate for the t- today extension, with is which is like a crucial piece for Firebase. So I couldn't build in as much as I want. So what I ended up having to do was write things to um, NS user defaults and then display that in the today extension. So it kind of made the feature not as great, you know, but um, I learned a lot from kind of struggling with all of that. And But today extension itself is, you know, it's great. It's just like a regular uh, storyboard view and then a regular like Swift file. So it works the same way as anything else, but getting the data to talk back and forth to the app is what, the biggest struggle was cool and it's a new target right it's like a new target in your xcode project right yeah um, i'm not exactly sure what the issue is that you're talking about as when you say there's no app delegate for firebase and today extensions um, or if, something like that but i would definitely look into you know using firebase to build a today extension i'm sure there's some you know people talking about that um, did you use hacking with swift to learn the today extension uh, actually, no, I just kind of Googled. So I haven't used hacking with Swift since I started Healthy Paws, but it, okay. it was just like the big kickstart that I needed. So I built like those six or seven apps with hacking with Swift, and then I moved on to Healthy Paws because um, it's just easier for me to learn that way if I'm like, I'm I'm kind of guiding my learning rather than um, going by, you know, what the tutorials are saying, which is great working, starting off. But, you know, once I learned enough about some of these things, I, I just kind of want to build it into my app. But I'll, I'll eventually go back to hacking with Swift to kind of nail down the fundamentals a little bit better. Um, but I'm just so deep in this and, you know, excited about building new things that I'm just kind of running with it. I think it'd be pretty interesting to understand how you how you spent your time, like uh, how you, you know, like what did you do? Did you just give yourself like an hour a night or did you just any free moment you had you were working on your app um, or not just working on the app, but like from beginning of like learning Swift to, to now shipping? Like how do you balance your time essentially? Because a lot of people out there are doing this, um, at, you know, they have a full time job and then they, they have this goal of like kind of getting to where you are. So how did you manage the time? How, how did you do this? Yeah, so I always have some sort of side project going on, and this is, like, kind of my current one, and, you know, it's a lot of fun, so this will probably be it for a while. But I also have new Hoppy Box happening, which I already have time allocated for, so all of my Sundays pretty much are allocated to just working on side projects. Um, so I had to find room for this, which ended up being uh, two or three hours before work every day, so I work nine to five. You know, so I would wake up at like six, six o'clock, four or five days a week and uh, just like learn these things. And then afternoons or like evenings are more dedicated to hanging out with my girlfriend, having dinner, stuff like that. But every once in a while, if I have a free day, I would also do the, these at night. But a bulk of this happened in the mornings before work. So it sounds like you actually set sort of a schedule. I mean, it sounds like you were flexible, but you had a schedule rather than just doing it randomly. Yeah, I definitely had a schedule. So I, you know. I have dates next to all of my features that I want to release, and I had a dates like for when I wanted the initial thing to release, and then I have time allocated depending on that, um, on what I think I can do to accomplish it. Wow, man, that's great! You're like super, super organized. That's really good. That's really good, man. That's awesome. Okay, one thing I want to talk about is your experience with actually shipping the application. So, you have your, you know, your first version ready to be released to the App Store. Uh, what do you do? How did you go about doing that? How did you learn to do it? And what was the experience like? 
Um, I wish I remembered his name, but there's a guy on YouTube. I think his name's Jared Davidson. It's something like that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I watched his video on how to submit something to the App Store, basically, and I just followed that. Um, as far as the screenshots and stuff go, um, I made a video, but I just kind of, you know, I know how to do screen recording through QuickTime, so I just kind of did that, took screenshots. Uh, I wrote out my description. Didn't put a ton of thought into keywords and how that kind of stuff works out. You know, I did put what the app did in the title, but I understand, like, enough to understand, like, there are other Healthy Paws apps. You know, I need to differentiate mine somehow. I should probably have the more important stuff in what's visible, like, in the list when you're searching. Um, so I just kind of used common sense and then a couple of YouTube videos to um, get everything good enough to go live. And then stuff like the icon, I just opened up. Um, I use Pixelmator. It's like a Photoshop equivalent. I opened that up and just came up with a couple ideas and put something up. Okay, so for uh, actually getting, like, submitting the app, you watch the Jared Davidson YouTuber uh, video. That's right, yeah. And and that that's it. Like, that really just, it did a good job, and it got you, you didn't have to really consult anything else? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's actually really great. Uh, I've watched a bunch of his videos. So, you know, I watched that one video, and that basically showed me how to do it. Okay, that's awesome. And then you said for, you made a video of the application, you said, right? Right, yeah. Using using QuickTime. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, I love being able to like record a video of the iPhone like through QuickTime. And then did you say you also took screenshots using QuickTime? Uh, no, I took all my screenshots um, in Xcode uh, in the simulator. But okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool too that you can take screenshots um, with the simulator. I think it's just like there's like a, a shortcut for that, right? You just run your app in the simulator and then you just hit hit like hit shortcut or whatever take a screenshot yeah i think it's like command shift s something like that but yeah taking screenshots were really easy editing the video was kind of uh difficult there's a way that you can do it in um in imovie like edit app previews but i can't do it from uh, the six plus so i don't know how people do that because i only have a iphone six so i couldn't do my screen recording there so maybe i'll just have to find somebody let me borrow their phone to do screen recordings and it won't let me upscale an iphone uh, six video to iphone six plus interesting so are you saying you have to have like separate videos i guess different uh, size videos i think if you have the largest you can downscale it so i'm using my iphone six video for the 5s and other things but it won't let me use it for the 6 Plus. So I'm assuming if I use the 6 Plus to do all the recordings, it'll let me take it down all the way. Um, I just don't have a flat phone. What if you recorded the simulator? Like uh, just did like a screen recording on the simulator? Yeah, because you can. I think you can record a certain area of the screen with oh, yeah. QuickTime. Yeah, it's actually and a good so idea. I should probably try that. But then I'm wondering, like, is the... But you have a Mac book new one so like i wonder is it recording the resolution like at the resolution of your screen um so like let's say you had like a not that good of a screen resolution macbook is like is this is that recording and and then you regardless if you record using quicktime on your phone or on the simulator like is it the resolution only going to be as good as the laptop resolution or how do, I wonder how that works. Or is it, you know what I mean? Yeah, Does I think you can set your, I think you can set the resolution to 100%. Normally I have my simulator at like 50 or 75%. And I have a 4K monitor, so I'm sure if I hooked up to that, I could do it at 100% and screen record that way. And it should work. Um, you know, I'll let you know if it doesn't. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, and then you said you use Pixelmator for the icon. Yeah, it's just like a much cheaper version of Photoshop for, you know, I guess hobbyists or, you know, people that kind of do it uh, in their free time like me. Okay, is it a, it's a, you use the Mac app? Is there a Mac app or you use the iPhone app? I or? use the Mac app, yeah. Okay, well, how much was it? Uh, it's been a while now. I think it was only like $15. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Um, that brings up like the idea of like graphic design and stuff. Have you been doing all the UI, UX, like graphic design stuff yourself? I have been, and um, admittedly, I'm not very good at it. I've been, I've been trying, like, that's kind of, like, my next phase, too, is to uh, learn a lot more about design. I've been reading through the human interface guidelines from Apple and just kind of I'm skimming some blogs, stuff like that, on, um, on good UX. But that's definitely something I could use help with, um, you know. But it's a lot of fun for me to learn these things and to figure out how to do them, so... Are you using most of this like the standard UI components rather than like trying to make like custom colors or UI components and things like that? I'm actually using a lot of custom things, but from libraries. So that's made it a lot easier. So I have some um, alerts that pop up um, and things like that. And I'm using a, I forget what the name of the library is, but I'm, I'm using a library for that. And I'm, I've also got a, a step counter that I'm using a library for that makes it look a lot nicer. Um, so it's just been fun trying to find all these different libraries and integrating those with the apps, which, you know, eventually I'd love to learn how to build these things on my own, and I will. Um, but for learning, you know, it's great for me to dig into those. Definitely. Okay, cool. All right, well, we've come to the end. I want to talk a little bit about just in general, like what would you say are some things that, you know, new Swift learners should focus on. I mean, I love doing the one piece of advice and, and we'll, we'll probably do that. Um, but like, what are just some, some things that people you feel like should be focusing on? Cause you're still fairly new, but you've been able to get pretty far in, in such a short period of time. Um, and so I think you're in a good position to like offer this kind of advice. You know, there's a lot of people out there that, are are in the situation that you're in right now or or that you were in when you first started and like I was in that situation you know and when you're in that situation we have this like feeling of man I just I what do I need to know and how can I do it and like what do I you know what I mean like and you just want to eat everything almost yeah eat all the information and like and just to do it and so what are some things like some pieces of advice to you know help you know motivate people, encourage people. Um, yeah. What, what, what would you say to someone like that? Uh, yeah, I would just say to, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in minimum viable product. You know, a lot of people say this and it's a very popular thing, but just finding like, what's the core of your app do and build just that and nothing else. And then, you know, it's, it's easy to, for an app to get too big or for an idea to get too big. Cause you want all these bells and whistles in it. Um, but I think if you just choose one thing that you want it to do, and build that first and then get that up and then build one, you know, one bell and one whistle at a time, just kind of slowly go and stay organized. Um, you know, I think that's, I think that's a great way to approach it. So, um, don't let your mind wander too much and, you know, you write all these ideas down, but just pick one or two at a time and and focus on those. I think that's great idea. Uh, great advice right there. Um, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk too much about Swift specifically. And so I actually want to uh, spend a little bit of time um, talking about that real quick before we end. Sure. Um, like how, how would you, like how much of Swift, like 
because Swift exists and like you're learning Swift to do iOS development, you know, like how much of it is because it's Swift that you were able to do it? Like to me, Swift is so accessible. It's like very easy to learn. It's 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 just this like easy to learn language. It's, it can be very advanced and, and, and you can do very amazing advanced things with it. But it's like a very approachable language. And so like how how much of because Swift is it like that you were able to to get to where you are now? Um, I think it's just because it's just so readable. So I can open up anybody's project, and even if I don't know Swift at all, I can usually read it and understand why why things are doing different things. Um, or like if I, I want to figure out how to like add a view or you know change a, a title or something in code or just anything, you know, sometimes you can even guess how to do it. Um, right. So I think it's just being so readable makes it a lot easier than some other languages. Right, and a lot of that actually has to do with the APIs, and so something like sender dot you know set title or something like that or you know what i mean that's an api but also because swift is very like readable too yeah um so it sounds like for you swift was like a big a big part of that i mean just like me i mean you mentioned objective c was hard i i agree like that was how it was for me so it sounds like swift made it made it more easy for you for sure yeah the i still don't understand what the difference between header files and M files are, and I spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. So, um, you know, that just didn't click for me for some for whatever reason. And uh, everything being contained in that one Swift file makes things a lot easier for me, especially. Yeah, I think that I don't know whose decision it was, but like, if you just say Apple as a whole was like really smart to come out with this language um, moving forward. You know, they have this whole like everyone can code initiative now. Um, Swift again, you know, programming is going to just become more ubiquitous. Now it's open source, like very forward thinking. Uh, and so, someone like you that's uh, more on the business and or marketing end, the fact that you can come in and and learn how to code, um, I think it's just going to be more normal. It's going to be the new normal for for non programmers to just learn a little bit about coding, um, to be in a position like you, like a business, more business and person that knows how to code. It's like really smart, don't you think? Yeah, I think so too. And I'm especially with it being open source, I'm curious to see where it goes. I'd love to see this on Android or something eventually. Um, but as it grows to more and things, hopefully you'll even become more popular and easier to learn. Um, and it'll, it'll evolve to accomplish that, especially with Apple backing it so much and backing people wanting to learn it so much, especially with their iPad app that they're coming out with it with iOS 10. Um, it seems like they're very invested in that. Yeah, totally. Okay, so before we go, uh, let's talk about a couple things. Where can people contact you online, if at all? Uh, a lot of our listeners want to be able to you know, reach out to the guests because they have follow-up questions and things like that. Are you reachable online? I know when I asked about your Twitter, you said you're not too active on there. Uh, wh- how can people c- contact you? Um, yeah, I don't get it on Twitter a ton. I'll get on in see things but if you want to contact me you can just go to gilosborne.com um i went through a phase where i was writing a lot on there but recently it's just kind of sporadic whenever i come up with something that's you know interests me enough or that i want to share so i'll write on there every once in a while and there's there should be a place on there for you to contact me as well is it just gil osborne right yeah okay cool gilosborne.com and then uh before we go then uh one piece of advice now this is different that was more like just general advice for, for learning how to 
you know, to make apps, right? Uh, but this is like specifically related to Swift, right? So one piece of advice for people learning Swift. Um, specifically to Swift, I think reading other people's code is a good way to learn how to do Swift. So um, find something, find a really simple app on GitHub maybe, see how code should be organized and should be commented. And um, maybe they're, maybe it's something that you already know how to do. Maybe still look that up and see how somebody else did it. Um, you know, whether it's a better way or just a different way. Um, just seeing how other people do things, I think, is a great advantage. Yep, I think that's a good idea. Good advice. All right, Gil. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story with us, coming from you know, information systems technology or something like that, yeah. like a major... Uh, to, you know, learning a little bit about coding, but, not, you know, kind of not, you're kind of getting discouraged because you were learning like C or C++. Totally, I'm with you on that, man. Yeah. And um, then, you know, working uh, in your agency job and becoming more familiar with development, web development or mobile, uh, just through your work. Uh, and, you know, then just having the courage and the interest and the curiosity to learn about mobile because your job was sort of demand, not demanding, but like kind of hinting at it in a way or, mm -hmm. and, and then just going for it and, and digging in and six, you know, six weeks later you ship an app, healthy pause. Yep. Uh, and then, and yeah, I don't know, just really awesome. So thank you so much for, for sharing that story. I wish you luck with uh, health, healthy pause. Have you had any downloads by the way? F feel free to not share that if that, if you're, you know, if you're shy or something. Uh, but is that are people actually like getting it or I mean, for instance, you're not doing any marketing. Like, do people yeah. just find your app even though you're not doing marketing? Yeah, it's surprising, actually. I'm getting like so I, I only have maybe 30 downloads or something. Nice. Um, but it's got like 2000 impressions and maybe 250 page views. So as I start awesome. focusing on optimizing those things, I think it'll get a lot more downloads. Um, but yeah, I'm about 30 downloads right now. With, That's awesome. And I didn't. I didn't ask you, did you use test flight to like do the beta testing thing? Yeah, but I didn't send out to testers. Uh, I just kind of used that for me to test. So Right, right. But yeah, cool. I, I do use test flight. Awesome. Yeah. So I wish you uh, luck with, with healthy pause and like adding features and just on your general sort of um, quest to become a, a very knowledgeable, uh, you know, more like business CEO type person with an engineering with engineering experience in your quiver. I wish you luck. It seems to me like uh, you are destined for for greatness, man. You seem like you really know what you're up to and you're executing at a high level. And it's really awesome. So congratulations. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming on and sharing the story with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time, go swiftly, my friends.